When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and good morning to Outkick the Morning. I'm Charlie Arnold. Um, We are in the midst of playoffs. Lots of things are happening. Just recall a few days ago, Buffalo getting hammered by snow. That game still went on uh, a day late, of course. But uh, I just took a look at another TV that's playing here in the studio. Buffalo is expected to get, this is just a quick little weather update for all of you out there. Uh, because it piqued my interest. This weekend, they're supposed to get another 9 to 18 inches of snow. That is so insane. And I just wonder to myself, who who decides to live in Buffalo? Who is like, this is a smart idea for me to live in Buffalo when you are constantly getting pounded by snow? I mean, I guess they have like all of the measures in place to get things done. Uh, but I do recall back in my college application days, quick story off the top of the show, I wanted to apply to Syracuse. I did apply to Syracuse, ultimately. But my dad specifically had me visit on one of the snowiest weekends of the year. And it was a trick. He intentionally had us go, my mother, my father, and myself, on one of the snowiest weekends of the year. So I would be turned off by Syracuse and not want to go there. Because my dad didn't want me to go there because it was nearly impossible for him and my mother, who lived in in Indianapolis, to get to Buffalo to come visit me. So they were like trying to, or he was rather, I think it was a a one-sided operation, trying to foil my goals of going to Syracuse. Now, I still applied, like I mentioned. Uh, Problem is that I got waitlisted. Yes, me. Who who would waitlist me into the School of Communication? Look look what they're missing out on. They had no idea. Uh, But anyways, I didn't end up going to Syracuse, obviously, mostly because of the waitlisting fiasco. Um, But nice try, Dad. Uh, Anyways, on to a little bit more about football. Okay, so we're in the midst of playoffs, approaching the divisional round this weekend. Everyone has their eyes on what's going to happen with the various teams still in contention for the Super Bowl. But unfortunately, there are also some headlines being made that aren't so favorable for the NFL. Uh, One of those is dealing with Gerard Mayo, the new head coach of the New England Patriots, who was just formally introduced at a press conference yesterday. And instead of taking this opportunity to just talk about how excited, how appreciative he is of this opportunity, he decided instead to let white players know that, you know, they they maybe should avoid playing for the New England, England Patriots, at least under his watch. Listen to what he had to say. I do see color because I believe if you don't see color, you can't see racism. And whatever, whatever happens, black, white, disabled person, I've always, even someone with disabilities, I always, uh, you know, for the most part, people are like, you know, don't, you know, when they're young, they, they kind of make the spot hot. Younger people know what that means. But what I would say is, like, no, I want you to be able to go up to those people and really understand those people. So it goes back to whatever it is, black, white, yellow, it really doesn't matter, but it does matter so we can try to fix a problem that we all know we have. 
Okay, first of all, I have no idea what making this spot hot means. He like made that little declaration and then was like, oh, you all know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what he's talking about. And I consider myself to be pretty hip, I suppose. Um, but this just really rubs me the wrong way because I think I've said it so many times on the show. When I watch sports, I, d I don't see color. And I think that's a really good thing because I am respecting players for their capabilities and their skills uh, instead of seeing them for their skin color. I think that's how it's supposed to be. I think that's the whole point of not being racist, right? You don't see color. Like you're just friends with people because you respect them, because you like their personalities, because you appreciate them. That's at least how I was raised. I'm not sure. Um, and especially, you know, as an athlete growing up, I had teammates of all different backgrounds, all different skin colors. Never looked at skin color as a reason why I respected you as a teammate. Uh, so I think this is really just putting the Patriots in a really tough spot, especially when you look at the different situations they're going to be in coming up with the draft. I mean, no doubt now, no matter who they draft, we're going to refer back to this statement. If they, if they draft a black player in the first round, we're going to come back to the statement and say, oh, that's because the head coach probably has something to do with this and he sees color. Uh, vice versa, if a white player is, is drafted, we'll say, oh, well, what about you seeing color? I, I just don't see this working out well for the Patriots. Uh, I think someone, obviously, he's already been given the, the head coaching job. Someone needs to sit down and have a real talk with uh, Jared Mayo because this is not cool. And uh, for the you know, most winningest team in NFL history, the greatest team in NFL history, uh, this is just a road I would assume they don't want to go down. And the reason they are so successful and have been in the past— wasn't because they saw color. Uh, also making headlines is on NBC, uh, there was an interview, a post-game interview with the Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud earlier this week. And he talked in, in large part about his faith and how, you know, his appreciation for Jesus Christ uh, led him to such victory uh, in the wild card round. But it was interesting because then the clip was then re-aired without any of the mention of Jesus Christ. So it's very clear here, I believe, that NBC, and I'm sure many other media outlets, just do not want any mention of religion uh, inside of their broadcast as it deals with the athletes, even though it is their personal opinion and they should be able to say absolutely what they want because that's freedom of speech and that's something that we hear in the United States uh, rest our heads on. And that's just like one of the most principled values that we have held for forever now. Uh, it's in our constitution. Uh, so I think this is another bad message being sent. I, I won't say by the league because they don't control what NBC does, but I would imagine uh, if I were to work for the NFL and I had anything to do with um, guiding, I guess, the standards at how our athletes were treated and and what was allowed and not allowed. I would probably hope uh, that someone in the NFL would approach someone at NBC and say, why did you cut this out? Uh, this is something that's very important to him. Uh, if he were to speak out, I think this was a good point by made by our uh, Bobby Burak on Outkick.com. He wrote an out article about it, uh, that if C.J. Stroud were to talk about, you know, something that's more popularized at this point by the left, uh, whether it be something about reparations, maybe something about the trans culture, if he would have given a shout out to something in that regard, Maybe NBC would have decided to keep it in their edited version of C.J. Stroud's post-game interview. Uh, anyways, not only 
are we seeing bad messages being sent in the sporting world? Also, Team Vogue also sending horrible messages these days as well. Because when I look back to Teen Vogue, because I used to be a avid magazine reader back in my preteen days, Teen Vogue was one of them, uh, you used to be able to find pretty good messaging. I mean, you could go find fashion inspiration. You could go find articles on how to secure a prom date. I mean, there were tactics back in the day, guys. Uh, all of that has completely changed. Uh, that's like so many other publications now that you've seen these days. They've all gone absurdly woke. For example, just taking a look at what Teen Vogue has done in recent years, uh, they gave an entire feature promoting a non-binary actress. Uh, I don't know the name of this non-binary actress, uh, but she underwent surgery to have her breasts removed. You can see the photo right here on your screen. This is, I don't know, this is pretty vulgar because if this is in fact supposed to be a woman, to have a woman... Uh, Topless in your magazine. I, I don't know how that would be seen as appropriate. Uh, clearly, this is not an actual woman, which is why it was allowed. Uh, but this, to me, is, I mean, I'm just saying it, it's disgusting. Um, and not something I would want to open up a Teen Vogue as a young girl and see. Uh, I don't think this is sending the right type of message. Uh, I don't think that this is really doing anything but to promote the trans agenda. Uh, but when this actress discussed her surgery, she told the outlet, quote, when people talk about gender affirming surgery, using words like mutilation, that's not very nice. Is that how you think about people who have had surgery for other things? It's a disgust reaction. And I do not take disgust into account as a legitimate point of discourse. I just can't imagine a parent being okay with their daughter reading something like this. And I'm not exactly sure what type of reaction the magazine editors are hoping to stir up in their readers by putting out this type of content. And as far as what the actress had to say about people comparing gender mutilation to any type of surgery and in them to be somewhat the same or the same at all is outrageous to me. Having your breast cut off is not the same thing, let's say, as an athlete having to undergo ACL repair surgery uh, for something that they suffered on the field. Like, there is no way that these two are even remotely the same thing. Uh, but this is the type of thing that Team Vogue is pushing these these days, as well as, I'm sure, a lot of other magazines. I don't read magazines anymore. In fact, I have actually made it a point to unfollow most of all of these, you know, magazine accounts that I used to follow because I tend to see content like this being pushed on social media. I don't read the actual, actual paper publications. Um, but if I see one thing from a magazine account that I used to follow that irks me the wrong way, I usually just unfollow. So I, I don't really have any of this in my, you know, my realm of sight these days. Um, additionally, Teen Vogue, if you need any more evidence of how they have gone woke in recent years, uh, they had an article not too long ago, who is Karl Marx? Meet the anti-capitalist scholar. Not to mention, this one really, really makes me laugh. Uh, they had a article about fat sex, the best positions, props, preparation, and other tips. Um, this was in light of it celebrating. There was a whole month they were celebrating fat culture. I mean, I'm not sure why something like that to be celebrated, but that's a conversation we're going to get 
pretty far into on this episode of Outkick the Morning. Um, okay, so we've already gotten into so much. I need some more reaction from someone else who I'm sure is is very much, you know, understanding of the culture that our young girls are being exposed to these days. So let's bring in conservative influencer, Deborah Leia, who I love so much and I'm so excited to see her again. Deborah, it's good to see you. How are you doing this morning? Amazing, so happy to be back on with you. Okay, great. Uh, well, we have lots of fun conversations in store for us. Uh, you probably heard me just talking about Teen Vogue. Uh, absolutely. One of many magazines these days that has gone absolutely woke, uh, gone in a direction that I'll just say when I was a young girl, I never would have imagined that they would have gone on. I mean, just looking at recent articles, one promoting a non-binary actress who had her breasts cut off and um, now posing topless in the magazine, which to me is disgusting and crude, uh, but B, also the celebration of all the fat people and how they should be having sex. I don't know how much you read magazines. Is this a trend that you tend to see these days when you open up, I mean, whichever one it might be? So just like you, I don't read magazines as much anymore. I'm more in the social media aspect. And if I were to get magazines, it would be like HGTV type of stuff, home decor. That's what I'm on yeah. these days. <laughs> but I think it's just every generation, especially the teenage generation, glorifies self-harm to some extent. When I was growing up, it was Tumblr. That was the self-harm app. There was like Cut for Zane, which was a whole horrific thing. And this is no Wait, I'm sorry. Can you, can you stop right there? Yes. Wait, Deborah, what was the, you said, what was the app that you grew up with? I've never heard of that. Tumblr? Really? N what that is that? That was like the no, app never heard of it. Up. I think it was like a mix of like Twitter and Instagram kind of where you could post pictures, but it really just like attracted Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Email. Tumblr. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Like, Tumblr. Don't tell me you live okay, under no, a Okay. No, I've definitely heard of Tumblr. No, I've yeah, definitely so heard of Tumblr. I think you said Tumblr app. and I think you, Okay. Yeah, keep going. Watch app. Yes, but so that app glorified self-harm, and this is the same. And to say that it's the same surgery as anything else, gender mutilation surgery is totally elective. And for them to feature somebody who underwent elective surgery, there are plenty of women out there born with body bodily disabilities, missing limbs, they get into freak accidents. I personally returned from Israel recently where I met a lot of amputees from the war. Like that is the people that I think that they should be putting on their covers not the Israeli soldiers, but people who can't help what they were born with and celebrating their beauty versus putting somebody on the cover who underwent surgery for essentially no reason, nothing to help their health. That isn't something that I think we should be sending the message to young women about. And as also with the fat topic, this is, just doesn't seem oriented towards children. Why is society so obsessed with eliminating the youth from these children, stealing their innocence? Like, can we just let kids be kids? talk about their celebrity crushes. Why are we talking about fat sex to children who are reading Teen Vogue? If you're an adult, you're in your 40s and you're overweight, you too deserve love, okay? But why are we sending this message mm -hmm. and even talking about sex to underage children? That just seems off value to me. I don't align with that at all. Yeah, you're right. And I'm, I'm trying to remember because I did read tons of magazines when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to remember what Teen Vogue, I didn't, I, Teen Vogue was never like really so much on my radar. I was more of like, I remember Seventeen Magazine being a big one, mm -hmm. um, which I guess is still a teen magazine. And there, there were sex tips, mm -hmm. I think in, or maybe there, maybe there wasn't. I'm, I'm just trying I to know, recall. I, I remember once here. I started getting into like, 
Yeah, I remember once I got into like the cosmopolitan days, which is geared more towards, you know, I yeah. guess women who are above the age of 18. That's where you started getting the sex tips. So maybe actually, yeah, back in like 17, Teen Vogue, I don't, maybe there wasn't so much like sex tips. It was more of just like, how do you know if you're ready to have sex type of thing, right? I mean, I guess if girls are struggling with those types yeah. of conversations with their parents. But yeah, I just have to wonder, do you think, I mean, obviously kids are growing up much faster these days. I mean, the things that young girls, young young boys, uh, teens are exposed to is mind-blowing. Um, I feel bad for them because they're forced to grow up so much faster. Uh, but do you think parents are aware that their kids are being exposed to articles like this when they're subscribing them to these type of magazines that they're reading, presumably under their parents' roofs? I think there's like two different worlds that parents are living in right now. I think there's a type of parents who are woke, as you would say, but in a good way, they're aware of what's being fed to their children and essentially like poisoning the minds of their children. So they're very aware about that. But I would say the majority of parents in America have no idea what their children are consuming on TikTok, even on Netflix, shows like Euphoria that are just really glorifying sex and drugs. Yeah. And bad mental health, essentially. I don't really think parents have the energy or time, especially in this economy, to be monitoring their children at the levels that they should. And when I was younger, we had the flip phones. I couldn't access. If you accidentally clicked the internet, that was your worst nightmare. You're like, no, no, no. You don't want to- Oh yeah, you're parents. like, no. <laughs> it was like the worst day ever. But now we have like unlimited options at our fingertips. And I think it is a little weird that Apple or iPhones in general don't have certain restrictions for younger children. I know parents can put them on, but it's kind of strange. We used to have like the ladybug phones too. Now children, if you're eight years old with an iPhone, you can look up porn on your phone and no one's going to stop you. And that's yeah. pretty terrifying as somebody who's excited to be a parent one day. No, it is. It is terrifying. And even I recall, I mean, again, like I'm just making myself seem so old uh, <laughs> during this episode, but I didn't have internet on my phone when I was younger, but I had the, you know, family computer that was in our communal room. And there's mm -hmm. a reason why it was kept in the communal room. And that's because then my mother, who the laundry room was right next to it, she would come down to do the laundry. And then she would, you know, give a little peek over to what I'm doing because that's a parent's worst nightmare for me to be in again, dating myself in some like weird chat room with like someone that's posing as a teenage girl, but really it's this old man. Uh, but I mean, I wasn't even allowed to have the computer in my bedroom, but now you have these young kids who have unlimited access anywhere they go to whatever content they want. And like you said, especially social media, um, it's kind of hard to filter out all of the good versus the bad because what words do you even put in? I'm, so, I'm sure there's so many ways around content creators getting their content in front of the children, in front of the audience that they want to get in front of, right? Like, for example, like all of the trans stuff. I mean, how yeah. do you even filter all of that out? Yeah, sure, you can put trans, but then you could also just have a trans person doing something maybe completely normal so they get through maybe that extra layer of protection that the parents are trying to shield them from. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Yeah. And I think this is something as a society that we have to all collectively agree on that children, we should preserve their youth. That is something good. And I have seen on social media, I don't know if you've seen this. And by the way, don't feel old because I also grew up with the computer in the family room and my mom would walk <laughs> by and be like, what are you watching? You know, who are you chatting on? Amy? Yeah, what's going so on there? Before like <laughs> 2008, I think life was just simple. But 
I think this is something that I've seen on social media where people who had problems in their youth, whether it was a difficult upbringing or family issues or anything of the sort, poverty, they kind of are bitter and want to steal the youth from other children. That's something that's like a common theme. I don't think people like me and you who, thank God, grew up with pretty great children, loved, supported, roof over our head. I don't think either of us find the desire in ourselves to target young children and send certain messages like you should do this and you should change your body and here. I think it's like hands off, you know, once you're an adult, I'd love to have a conversation about my political views or the way I think you should live your life the best. But until then, live your childhood. I'm not really targeting children. That's not something I would ever think to do. I just want them to, you know, enjoy their youth, play in the grass, be on sports teams like I was, just have a good time until the world really shows them how tough it is. Yeah, yeah, and it is a it is a strange world out there, I will say. Um, in many different regards, as we have noticed, uh, one of one of those regards actually just place in Seattle. A lot of weird things takes place in Seattle, by the way. I mean, we can't neglect to say that. Uh, but there was a convention, Deborah, that just took place in Seattle not too long ago. I talked about it on the show a couple of weeks ago because blows my mind uh, that the fat culture is celebrated in the way that it is. I mean, we already even just in the Teen Vogue aspect, have touched mm -hmm. upon it. Anyways, FatCon took place in Seattle in the past couple of weeks. And I was interested to get like a real look at what happens inside of FatCon. So I had my producer Katie do some digging and she found some really great videos on social media. So first let's take a look at, uh, there was apparently an interpretive dance portion of FatCon that occurred. So let's take a look at that video. Oh my God, I Every fat person is aware what you think of our health and body and the correlation between size and health. We know I probably won't end up with either of those because it's not in my genetic code. It's not. No, it's cancer or it's stroke. But guess what? It wasn't my larger body that raised that risk. Uh, it was from putting my body in a state of semi-starvation for four years. Yeah, unlocked all kinds. Oh, my genetic code. Genetic code. Yeah, like fibromyalgia. Let's see what else I end up with because I dieted. <coughs> okay, I have no idea what's going on there. Your, your face is exactly how mine was. I'm like, what is this person saying? What are they talking about? They're highly untalented, uh, just atrocious to even look at. Uh, but this is the type of stuff that's being celebrated and not to mention, like we just said before, being put in front of children. And I'm not sure what they're supposed to garner or take away from stuff like this. Uh, but yeah, Fat Con, it was a whole mishmash of things like this. There was apparently a plus size fashion show that took place, uh, a fashion show I would hope to never star in one day. Uh, also, there was a a disclaimer that was put up on the FatCon grounds, Deborah, that said, quote, we are open to a divisive conversation with non-fat people only when it is not at the detriment of our fat followers and community. If you are a straight-sized person, please understand that this space is not about you, although you are welcome to stay, learn, and support. So I guess... We can take this off. Yeah, I guess, Deborah, this means you and I are probably not welcome at 
FatCon, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? Keep me off the invite list forever, please. Honestly, you know, send me a thing that says you're not invited to my Equinox. That will be great for me. <laughs> but that was, honestly, I'm just blown away here because when I was a child, you used to have to pay $5 at the circus to see an act like that. And now it's just free entertainment <laughs> online, no money spent. It's the same with like bearded woman. You just have to pay to see that. But I don't understand why everybody's an extremist. You and I are both value fitness growing up playing sports. It's just something that I, I don't understand how that's an image of good mental health. For me, working out is like the key to good mental health. It gives me calamity. It helps me ease anything that I'm going through at the time. And I just couldn't imagine not moving my body. I would feel horrible all the time. And that person saying that they starve themselves for semi-starvation for four years, I have a tough time. I'm going to doubt that for a little bit. But what about just being healthy? What about not trying to starve yourself and not being severely obese? Isn't that crazy? Like a normal, healthy body? You don't have to be a size two. You could be a size six or an eight as long as you're healthy. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad, uh, but this is Joe Biden's America that we're living in. We can't forget. And don't also forget there was the headline. I think it was earlier in the fall that said working out is a a far right activity. So um, that's what we're dealing with right now, unfortunately. Uh, speaking of living in Joe. Yeah. Speaking of living in Joe Biden's America, uh, this was an interesting headline, although didn't quite catch me off guard because I might have a little bit of Nostradamus in me. Uh, according to Odds Tracker, Michelle Obama, Deborah, has now jumped Nikki Haley in the 2024 presidential odds. Michelle now sits in third place, whereas Haley ranks in fourth. Donald Trump and Joe Biden in first and second place, respectively. Now, I say this doesn't really strike me as so odd because the first week I did this show, that I sat in this chair, I predicted that Michelle Obama could be the Democratic nominee in the 2024 presidential election. So before we get into it, let's take a look back at what I said on September 11th, 2023. Now, does the idea of Michelle Obama frighten you? Because it should. Obama insider and author of a new book on Michelle Obama, Joel Gilbert, says Michelle is preparing to enter the 2024 race and become the Democratic nominee due to Biden's declining health. Here's a clip of Gilbert on the Bold and Blunt podcast last week. Michelle Obama, 2024, you predict that she will indeed make a run for the presidency. What do you base that on? Uh, look, I've been following the Obamas for years, and I noticed uh, some years ago, even in 2016, Michelle started following the exact same formula that Barack had to become president. So that formula, Barack started a voter registration. So did Michelle. Barack wrote two autobiographies. So did Michelle. Barack was the keynote speaker and introduced nominee John Kerry at the 2004 DNC convention, while Michelle was the keynote speaker and introduced Joe Biden at the 2020 DNC convention. A lot of people don't realize Michelle grew up in politics. She married a politician and back in 2008 was essentially Barack's running mate, constantly calling it our campaign. So Michelle Obama, 2024. Think about it. That is a very scary thought and all things considered Certainly not out of the realm of possibility, and that is a doozy. Deborah, I mean, when you look at the odds right now, you've got Donald Trump as the leader. 
followed by mm-hmm. Joe Biden, Michelle Obama, Nikki Haley, and then Gavin Newsom. I mean, an odds tracker, a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. might say, oh, it's just the odds. Let's not read too much into it. But odds tracker traditionally has been very spot on, eerily accurate in the 2016 and 2020 presidential elections. And uh, when I look at these odds, when I look mm-hmm. at this list, I see four Democratic nominees, one Republican nominee. Uh, that, of course, the only GOP nominee being Donald Trump at the top. Uh, when you hear this, are you absolutely frightened? I'm frightened, but I'm also not surprised. Anybody who follows politics over the past few years kind of saw this coming. And I actually spoke about this a few weeks ago. I think that if it was Obama versus Haley, Haley would have a better chance versus Obama versus Trump. I can see people rallying for Michelle Obama in a way that they wanted for Joe Biden. She resonates with women. She resonates with black group, the black community in America. So Overall, it's terrifying. I want anyone besides four more years of Obama again. I'll never forgive her when she stole our chicken nuggets and everything when I was in middle school. And overall, she is truly Obama 2.0, but worse. We did not thrive under Barack Obama, and I don't see any good things happening under Michelle Obama. But this is just what I feel like the Democrats are just so sneaky. Like, at least the Republican candidates are like, here's all of us. Choose your pick. But the Democrats played behind the scenes. And it just doesn't feel very honest with the American voters. Like, I'm a voter. I want to know all the candidates who are actually seriously considering being our leader and asking for my vote, whether it's somebody I would never vote for, like Michelle Obama. I still want to know. And overall, it's kind of terrifying that she does have so much support in this country. I hope that, you know, the cards fall into place and the Republican can just run away with the general election because we need to restore this country. And I don't think this country can handle four more years of another Obama. No, that would be their, uh, I believe, the Obama's fourth term uh, should Michelle be thrown on the ticket last second. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised because I think uh, the Democrats are very well aware of Joe Biden's declining health uh, becomes more and more apparent every single day. I don't think there is any world in which they believe he will be able to to survive through four more years of uh, of time in the White House. And, and they all are just as terrified as the Republicans are of having Kamala Harris run this country. So uh, I'm sure right now they're going into panic mode a little bit, trying to figure out exactly what needs to happen and how soon it needs to happen. But right now, you're right, we are being completely bamboozled, being made to look at Joe Biden as the only option on the Democratic ticket. There's not even Democratic primaries taking place. So uh, if someone is Mm -hmm. inserted, it's going to be at the very last second, and we are not going to have heard one word of their campaigning. So, Deborah, thank you so much. As always, you are such a delight, and you look so beautiful this morning. I'm like... I need I need to I need to get on the the Deborah Leia like hair and makeup train. I don't know if you do it yourself, but I might need some tips, my friend. Oh, my gosh. I that just made the rest of my day bright and early. Couldn't have a better morning than spending it with you. Thank you. Yes, this is my personal studio at home where my personal makeup artist. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on again. Absolutely. We'll see you soon. I'll kick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience 
and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Okay, everybody, um, one more thing before we go. I don't know if anybody is free this weekend, uh, anybody that has like a really high basketball IQ, but the TCU women's basketball team, is looking for players. This is actually a really unfortunate story. Like, this isn't something I'm trying to make fun of, but it's very, very bizarre. The TCU women's basketball team, they're very good. They started their season 14-0. They have now had to drop their last four games, and they have to forfeit their next two games because they don't have enough players to play. They have had six players had to suspend their seasons because of injuries already this season, Uh, and those are scholarship athletes. Uh, So you can imagine how good they probably are. And right now they're just in a position where they can't even play to go from 14 and 0 to then having to drop four games and then two more because you don't have enough players is actually really sad. Uh, I wonder if moving forward, they'll just put more players on the team in order to avoid a situation from happening like this in the future. Uh, But they are having open tryouts again, if anyone's interested I feel like I'm not tall enough, so I'm just not even going to attempt. Uh, But Thursday and Friday, full-time students interested in walking on for the remainder of the 2023-24 season. Wouldn't that be so bizarre if you were just a college student and you're like, eh, I'm going to give it a shot. Next thing you know, you were playing for a Division I basketball team. That would be insane. But I guess stranger things have happened, like we just have talked about, uh, essentially for the entire duration of this episode. So... I'm just saying, if you have any friends, anybody, or if you're out there, TCU students, you got friends at TCU, let them know. Tryouts are happening today and tomorrow. And I have a feeling they're not going to be so particular because right now they're in desperation mode. Uh, Okay, everybody, that is it. That will do it for this episode of Outkick the Morning. That was fun, wasn't it? Uh, We're doing it again tomorrow because tomorrow's Friday, the last day of the week. Thank goodness we have almost made it. Um, On that note, everyone, make sure you are... uh, Following all the things, doing all the things, following me on social media at Charlie on TV. And on that note, everybody, have yourselves a wonderful Thursday, and I will see you tomorrow morning.